This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. We have seen quite a shift in the workplace of being more brash and outspoken on a variety of different points, and this has led to an increasing level of incivility in offices. Not only is this making things more tense at times, but it's also creating a loss of focus and hence a loss of productivity as well. Georgetown University's Christine Porath looks at the problem and how maybe some ways to think about alleviating it in her book, Mastering Civility, a Manifesto for the Workplace. Christine is an associate professor of management at Georgetown, and she joins us on the phone. Christine, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. How common is it these days, workplace incivility? All too common. So over the last two decades, it's really spiked. And so you see more than 50% of people reporting that they experience it at least once a week. But what are they saying is the reasons why? Uh, Number one reason people give for being uncivil is they feel too stressed or overloaded. Uh, But I think in general, uh, also contributing to this is technology. You know, it's much easier uh, to have misunderstandings when you don't have the tone or, you know, facial expressions, things like that to go on. And also, as we've gotten more global, people come to the workplace with different norms. So you see a lot more uh, challenges because of that. So stop texting your employees because they they can't tell what your tone is in a comment. Yeah, especially if it's bad news or if it's something stressful, if, uh, you know, critical information, uh, it's going to re- require somebody to um, be upset or, you know, uh, maybe be defensive, things like that. So really think twice about instances where people may be defensive. I- I'm guessing that this is a kind of a dual problem here. If, if, and from the perspective of a lot of this can be employee to employee, but also part of it is manager to employee as well. Absolutely. So we find that that's actually much more common. Over two-thirds of the time, it flows from the top down. We're joined by Christine Porath, who is the author of the book Mastering Civility, a manifesto for the workplace. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you're more than welcome to send us a comment via Twitter, and I'll bring it up on the show. Either my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21, or the show's Twitter account, which is at BizRadio111. You ask an interesting question in the book. Can you really cure incivility? Uh, I I asked that to you. Can you really cure it? Uh, I don't think we'll eventually solve it completely, but I absolutely think we can get a lot better. You know, we can move. Everyone can take responsibility for that, and we can really shift it in organizations. And I definitely see leaders and organizations uh, go from being fairly uncivil to winning awards for best places to work. You know, so I think that um, the first step is, you know, make a commitment. What's interesting is is that some of the data on the impact of, of incivility looks at the intentional decrease of work effort or, or time spent at work. And, and I emphasize the word intentional. So, you know, there are cases where people just don't want to deal with it at that particular moment, correct? Yes. About two-thirds of the time, people will intentionally 
uh, give less because they've experienced it. So they take it out on the organization, even though the organization often knows nothing about the uncivil behavior. Yet a lot of the times, and this is another interesting statistic, is the fact that people will deal with it and they will deal with it to the point where they don't even think about moving to another company. Uh, 12% only left their job because of the incivility. Yeah, and that was just about one incident that we asked them to report on. So I think it's a huge problem and turnovers about as costly an outcome as organizations will have. So are are companies uh, more aware of it? I guess they have to be now because of the fact that uh, you can see it probably bosses can see it walking through the office on a day day by day basis and and obviously the data which you've collected uh, really kind of reinforces this problem. Yeah, that's one of the most encouraging things that I've seen over the last couple decades is when I started this leaders and organizations really weren't paying attention to it. It wasn't talked about. And now I see them really making an effort to try to get better in this area. You know, at least a, a lot of organizations are doing so. So I think that it's one of these ideas where if people want to move from good to great. You're always going to have some problem people or maybe problem areas in the organization. Right. And it's just about shifting them a little bit more civil. But in some cases, when you talk about the impact that this has, uh, it obviously would be a financial impact on the company itself. But in terms of the people that feel it, a lot of times when you are you know, angry because somebody has not been civil towards you, uh, especially if it's in a, speti- in a particular segment, uh, you note that it, it can be the customer that ends up feeling the impact as much as anybody. Yeah, I mean, it, whether it's intentional or not, over a quarter of people admit to taking it out on customers. And I think that what we've seen is that incivility is contagious, you know, and so people become carriers of it, even if you're just working around it. Uh, what happens is it affects your mood and, you know, it gives you just a little bit more of an edge. And we don't realize that we take it out on whether it's customers, other coworkers. We even take it home with us. It, and Right. And it's a health issue for for a lot of people as well, correct? Absolutely. So what stress researchers have shown is these more minor incidents repeatedly kind of wear away at us. And so over time, um, people are surprised, but it leads to things like heart attacks, cancer, and other health issues uh, that, you know, again, we're not aware of it at the time, but it really whittles away at people and their health and well-being. But it is, you bring up in the book that, that it is important to really kind of uh, t- take a look at yourself and see whether or not you are causing some of these issues. Uh because it sounds like for a lot of people, they don't even really understand what is going on. They don't see it happening as it's playing out. Yeah, that's probably the number one thing that I've learned over time is I started out thinking, gosh, there are some real jerks in the workplace and we need to correct things because I worked in a toxic uh, workplace. And where I've landed now is most of this, the vast majority, really stems from people not being aware of how they're being perceived or how they're affecting others. You know, when I've surveyed people about why they're uncivil, only 4% say because it's fun and I can get away with it. So I think (laughs) that means that for the vast majority, you know, we're open to getting feedback and, you know, trying to do better is part of this because uh, the the changes that are uh, being made is that because HR company HR divisions understand 
uh, and are actually looking to fill some spots partly because of this. Uh, they they need to have not only excellent workers, but they need to have excellent people. They want that culture fit to really be a key component when they add people to a, to an organization. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, there's been some really great research coming out of Harvard that has shown that, you know, one toxic worker is much more costly than two superstars. And so, you know, I think the idea is it really pays to recruit and select well. And that's probably the place where I'd encourage leaders and organizations to invest in the most. That's where I think they get the biggest return. Because unfortunately, again, this stuff spreads. So if you select someone, it's not only going to probably affect those coworkers, it's going to, you know, infest the organization. So if, if somebody listening to us right now is kind of dealing with incivility, whether that be from a coworker or a manager, what are some of the things that they should really think about as a way to address it? Well, I think ideally they're getting information to the organization. So whether that's anonymously through something like 360 Feedback, I mean, most of this doesn't change because the person that's uncivil never realizes it. So uh, because it flows down, you know, from people with higher power, higher status, most people don't feel com- comfortable confronting the person. You know, if you're lucky, you're able to give them feedback, you know, on what they're doing well and what right. they can correct to have a better influence. But typically... I would say whether going through the HR department, um, going through, you know, 360 feedback, um, getting it to a mentor that has more power and status that might be able to affect change. But the goal would be to get people feedback on their blind spots. And and that's really where the change starts. You also talk about uh, the fact that, that people... Uh, if you're dealing with this this level of incivility, uh, you can't over overanalyze it either, um, because that'll that will have just as much of a negative impact as anything. Correct? Yeah. What we've seen is, in experiments is that it's actually not the intentional getting even. I'm not going to work as hard. That's really driving the performance losses. But it's really that it takes away people's attention. You know, they can't um, focus as well. They are less likely to see things literally in front of them. (laughs) They, you know, their working memory is considerably slower. And so what happens, whether people are replaying in their mind or thinking they don't want to be that next person, um, what implications it might have for their career, the cognitive effects are extreme. And that's where we see the main drain on performance. So really trying to let go of it and focus more positively on yourself and how best to move forward, I think, is key. We're joined by Christine Porath, who is the author of the book Mastering Civility, a manifesto for the workplace. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you're not able to get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, and we'll bring it up on the show at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I I found it interesting that you have – I guess it sounds like it's one of your least favorite phrases when you're talking about dealing with business is that uh, you're really not a fan of the phrase, suck it up, are you? (laughs) No, I mean, I was because as a former athlete, you know, you get used to that mentality. But I think that for people, it's not very helpful, you know, the idea of continuing to live with it, because I think it's really important that people focus on their future and how to improve their own situation because otherwise you just get 
literally sucked away. You know, it's just that people can suck the life out of you. And, and that's what we're seeing. And so I think it's very important that you take a very you know, proactive focus on me, focus on my future, bet on me versus betting on changing the person. Because again, you know, as you mentioned, so much of this comes from people with greater power. You may not be able to change them or the situation completely in right. the organization, but the one thing you can focus on is yourself and moving forward in the most positive way possible. You do take a little time and mentioning Google in here and some of the things that they have done to try and uh, alleviate this problem. Yeah, I think they're a wonderful organization that's done a lot, mainly around unconscious bias. So you know, some of this is very subtle in the sense that we want to strive for inclusiveness, especially right. given the diversity in organizations today. And I think that they've been kind of the front runner, you know, having trained well over 35,000 of their 50,000 employees, people have voluntarily taken, you know, 60 to 90 minute classes on unconscious bias. So they really tried to stamp this out. And I think set an incredible example for organizations to learn from. The other thing is that organizations that don't have the resources to get at this, they have a website rework. If you Google that, uh, you'll get lots of ideas, even the videos on this, so that organizations with less resources now have uh, these kind of tips and classes and um, the research behind this to move forward positively. One of the other companies you bring up is is one that's right here in the Philadelphia area, uh, is Campbell Soup Company, right across the bridge in Camden, New Jersey. Yeah, they, Doug Conant, when he was CEO, just did a wonderful job there. He literally stepped in, and at the time, they were not doing well as a, in engagement, one of the lowest uh, in the Fortune 500, and he really turned it around, and he credits the idea of touch points. So this notion of being tenderhearted with people, tough-minded on results. So he you know, went after and held people accountable for performing very well, but he did so in a way that showed that he really cared about people. And right. that makes all the difference. You know, just one quick example of that was in his tenure as CEO, he hand wrote 30,000 thank you notes to employees. <laughs> and he said it made all the difference. You know, he'd walk around in different places in the world and see them hanging up. And, you know, people were striving for that then. And it set good examples for leaders in those different areas of things that they could do to motivate and reinforce positive work and behavior. 844-942-7866 is the number if you'd like to join in with a comment. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a, that comment via Twitter, at BizRadio, B-I-Z Radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. We go to Atlanta. Bari is on the line. Bari, go ahead. Hi. Uh, good morning, Uh Great show, great topic, Christine. I just wanted to add and uh, like your comments on uh, the need for uh, arts education in our education system uh, instead of just focusing on STEM. I think what you have written about underscores the need for that. I think, uh, like you said, that people uh, don't necessarily, uh, they don't even know what they're, you know what they're doing when they're being not civil. Uh, so, you know, having the tool set to be able to express yourself and understand the nuances of, you know, how you're saying things that you're saying, you know, and, and having that rich uh, education in, in history and uh, English and, and the uh, liberal arts in general can really, you know, bring that out. Yeah, I think it's a great point. So I think that the 
sooner we expose, whether it's children to this, the better. So, you know, I teach it in our MBA curriculum. Everyone has to take it as core management class, leadership and social intelligence. But, you know, that it's better than nothing. Uh, and I think it teaches the importance of how civility pays. But I would love to see it more mainstream in elementary schools and middle and high schools. You know, somewhere along the way, I think it would make a huge difference. And there are some programs, Operation Respect is one school program, but there's another one in Canada that they've been focusing on and character. And I think that that's really the way to go. You know, if we paid more attention to this, I think it would really help because one of my main concerns is in schools, you know, when you have the level of bullying or incivility that we're seeing, it, it takes people off track. So it, you can imagine the losses going on in the classroom because kids don't focus as well, you know. Uh, so I think that really focusing younger on these skills would be great. I was really surprised because managers and leaders, you know, point to the fact that they're getting employees without these basic skills. Uh, and so I think it's important that we do find ways to include this in our educational system. Thanks, Mari. Great to have you on the phone with us. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, you can send us a comment via Twitter at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. You uh, put in in the book an interesting email uh, that was circulated by the CEO of a company back in 2001. And, and this is the, I guess, the ultimate case of quick reaction. And you're, you're chuckling, so you know exactly where I'm going with yeah. this. Uh, the gentleman's name is Neil Patterson, uh, who was the CEO of a software firm Cerner Corporation. And I guess he was mad that seemingly he didn't think he was getting enough out of his employees. And he just wrote a, a, a scathing email to employees. And, and not only did this not work well with the employees, the media picked up on it. The value of the company plummeted, and, and obviously for Patterson, he didn't exactly have a, a really good situation either. No, I mean, within three days, because an employee posted it on Yahoo, uh, you know, the um, wealth of the company dropped $300 million and his personal wealth dropped $28 million. So you can imagine where, you know, he just, he went off and lost it and, you know, certainly paid the price for it. And I think now more than the time, you know, 2001, when it was, this was done, it, people are much quicker to post to social media. We have a lot more outlets for this, Twitter and other places. So I think it's more relevant now than ever before that uh, you're going to pay for this. <laughs> you know, employees that will get even in different ways. Well, let me let me read a little section of this email that you put in the book because I, I, I mean, this talk about a what not to do. Uh, this gentleman says in this email to his employees. I have allowed you to create a culture which is permitting this, being, you know, the kind of the more flexible hours. No longer. Hell will freeze over before this CEO implements another employee benefit in this culture. I'm tabling all I'm tabling the promotions until I'm convinced that the ones being promoted are the solution, not the problem. If you're the problem, pack your bags. I'm giving you two weeks to fix this. My measurement will be the parking lot. It should be substantially full at 7.30 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. The pizza man should show up at 7.30 p.m. to feed the starving teams working late. You have two weeks TikTok. I, I mean, that really just is, that's, a, that's about as funny as you can get right there. 
Yeah, but we see evidence of this kind of thing, you know. Uh, so, I mean, I hope that leaders think twice before sending the emails. Everyone, really. You know, that's the whole idea between, um, you know, waiting and sending it, rereading, having someone else read it things like that. But yeah, he certainly paid for it. And, and this becomes even more important. I mentioned about uh, culture and, and how HR departments are, are looking for culture, but more companies are trying to build teams, whether they be small teams working on project or that team concept throughout the organization. And if you want that to have uh, to really take hold, you can't have this type of incivility in your in your company. No, because, again, it spreads. And so you not only have teams that aren't collaborating, giving their all, uh, you also have a culture where people aren't speaking up, they're not sharing ideas. Uh, so really focusing on building a culture of trust and respect is key for teams. And that applies to all different industries, you know, high tech, um, marketing, management, um, you know, especially healthcare. You know, we've seen some really great studies focus on the consequences of when doctors or nurses, staff are not focused because of negative exchanges between people. You know, there's a lot of issues around patient safety. Uh, certainly, yeah. there was some data collected where 4,500 doctors and nurses, 70% said that this kind of uncivil behavior affected patient safety. 27% said that it had led to a patient's death. 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call, 844-942-7866. You suggest, though, that that providing coaching really to to help people in this situation is something that needs to be considered for companies. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it really helps open people's eyes around a specific behavior that they could improve to have a more positive effect on people. And, you know, if you don't have the luxury of having a coach internal you know, or an external coach, one of the things that has been helpful is to use your teammates, uh, you know, kind of get, gather feedback from them. You know, there's um, that civility test that is in the book. It's on the website. Um, it's free. You know, use it. There's a, a forum for teams. <laughs> Gets people talking about it. And that's really eye-opening, especially when we are coming from such different cultures and different norms. But the, to find out. Yeah, I was going to say, but the potential of this still being there, and as you mentioned, we probably won't ever totally get rid of it, but but the potential of it being there does have the opportunity to increase because of the digital nature of our society. I mean, it would be perfect if, you know, if the, the manager of a company would be able to walk down and, and talk to each individual employee about each individual instance or what they're looking for. It's just not physically possible. The email is too much, is too easy for a lot of people these days. Yeah, it is too easy. I think that that's actually the number one pe- thing that people fess up to on the civility test is people use email when face-to-face would be better. So it's not the cop-out. What I'm talking about is when you have bad news or you just want to shove some someone's way that they're not going to like, but you don't have to face them and talk through it. So uh, I think that that's you know, what we're getting at. Certainly, we're always going to be using email a lot. I think part of uh, what would help also is, you know, um, having face-to-face meetings somewhere along the way so that people get to know you and they give you the benefit of the doubt. So then when there's a potential misunderstanding, 
you're you know less quick to judge or point the finger, the, you know, less defensive. Then that means that that more companies need to take the approach of what some are of having the open office space of you know adding uh, cafes in their in their campuses uh, so that, you know, people can sit down and actually have a chance to talk with one another uh, over the course of the day and not necessarily have it being in the business setting. If it's in the more, uh, you know, natural nature of, of what's going on in a person's day, that can end up kind of quelling a lot of this incivility as well. Absolutely. Tom Gardner, the CEO and founder of Motley Fool, did something really interesting a few years ago. And he required his employees to learn each other's names. And yeah. he did it and held them accountable. Uh, if you want your bonus, which was a large chunk, you know, everyone's got to do this. Um, and if everyone doesn't pass this, then you're, no one gets the bonus. And it, it took a little bit of time. There was, you know, one person that was struggling, but they ended up doing it, about 50 employees, which he said he thought was about the limit. Right. But his whole concept was if people just learn each other's names, they will feel more comfortable acknowledging them, saying hello when they bump into them, you know, in the cafe, in the elevator, that kind of thing. And his whole idea was it'll lead to more collaboration, you know, more effective workplace. And it's one of the best places to work. It consistently wins. And, you know, so I think ideas like that, you know, just getting people together, whether it's a retreat or, you know, company events, things like that, that increases the likelihood of you just feeling more comfortable and and treating one another better. Christine, great to catch up with you again. Thank you very much for uh, coming on to talk about your book. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Christine Porath from Georgetown University. The book, by the way, again, is titled Mastering Civility, a Manifesto for the Workplace. It is available in bookstores and online right now. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.